Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete. I'm Kerry Rouse, and I travel to racetracks around the U.S., where I interview members of the racing community and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. Well, I am here with Leanne Falk. Leanne uh, has been a person who helped me tremendously the last two years as I was learning how to race. And uh, you have a ton of experience with racing, and I don't even know all of it, so that's why I want to ask you a lot of questions about it. <clears throat> um, yeah, I never did properly introduce myself when you first started running with us. So. N- I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, just wanted to I was you introduced what to do. as, you know, hey, Leanne's, <laughs> what you were doing wrong. Leanne's a like, pro driver, <laughs> and you should listen to her, so that's what I did. Um, I'm, I'm not racing this year, but, you know, I've gotten to race. Sadly. Uh, I know. We'll, we'll get that changed. Um, just when you were like... <clears throat> I know. Now I have to like relearn some of his stuff anyway. I feel like I. But you know what? You you took a break when you had made huge improvements over the season. And this is the way I see it. Uh-huh. Like you took a break when you were at a good point instead of like taking a break after you had yeah. had you know failures. Yeah. And then you would have to really come back. But now this when you do come back, you just start off where I you hope were so, before. Yeah. I I feel like it took me almost. A year and a half, maybe two years. I'm not sure where the cutoff is. Before, intuitively, I started to realize I've got to keep my foot on the gas because mm-hmm. it's just and so drive. opposite from the real-world drive that I'm used to. Because I would spin like every single track I've spun at least you once. You did, yeah. And uh, towards the end, though, you you stopped. It was better. I just kind of go wide and keep the foot in it and go in the grass or keep the dirt or whatever. It just keeps <laughs> straighten out the wheel. Yeah. Um, and you did learn what to do in a spin, too. Yes. I, because that was I did it wrong that, yeah. initially. And then since then, yeah. boy, I, Sorry, what I, are you do, doing? I have the appropriate way to do that. So uh, foot, both feet down, right? In a spin, both feet in. Yeah. Win it out. Don't don't give up until you get to that point where you can know you know that ninety degree where you can no longer catch it and you yeah. learn. Then don't then give up and slam it on. Um, so tell tell me about uh, kind of what's happening this year for you. Um, you know I know you work in the automotive space for mm-hmm. full time. Finally. And uh, well yeah I guess I always have been but I finally have a real job. So okay. I call that yeah. my my first real job ever because up until I started working for Kia. I never had like a real job. I had always just been doing driving stuff, yeah, like a ride and drive stuff, or doing uh, you know new new model launches for the media at racetracks, and it was just always on the track doing something. And so when I finally got my real job, now you know I'm <laughs> I miss being at the racetrack yeah, every day. No. But it's still it's also nice to have a 
a regular income. Yeah, that, that, that's good. A lot of people... And it's still with cards, too. So. Yes, yes. So that's why I mention that, because you do get to so play with cards. You still and, get to work with cards. Well, what, what's going on this year for racing? Do you, um, you've done um, a, a little bit of racing, but what, what's, what's happened and what do you want to do by the end of the oh, year? Oh, you haven't seen the, the, the turmoil between... <laughs> I'm not racing this weekend. Yeah, we need a... Obviously... We need a motor for the three, and you know the scenario there. It's not my car; uh -huh. it's Chris's car, <clears throat> and I get to drive it because of everything I do at the track yeah. and all the data. And so yeah. I'm a little, you know, it's a little bit out of my hands yeah. Yeah. as far as the timeliness goes to when the car gets a motor. But I mean, it's needed one for since I started driving. <laughs> now the at this point, though, it's just. The it's Mazda 3 is in the T4, T4. Mm -hmm. right? And so that's kind of the class Definitely that you've been racing Definitely an underdog. You know, it's nobody else, well, except for Derek with the new model, right. uh, Mazda 3. You know, it's sort of an underdog, but I like that challenge. So we know that if we can get the car right, <coughs> it will be competitive. And I'll, I'll be the only one running one, but it's <laughs> that's okay. And it's the only front-wheel drive car in the class as well, Yeah. which you would think is poo-poo. And I always poo-pooed front-wheel drive cars as race cars as well, even though I started off in a front-wheel drive car, but remarkably, this car actually, <laughs> I don't drive it like a front-wheel drive car, I drive it like a rear drive car. If I try to trail brake in the corners with, I mean, it's just, it will bite you. Yeah. So I've, I've had to adapt my front-wheel drive car driving style yeah. for that car, and I've had to learn I have to power hard into the corners, <clears throat> and that's what the car wants. Yeah. So it's been, a, it's definitely, I mean, as many years as I've been driving, it's definitely big a big learning year for me, Again, which is what's great about racing is that you never stop learning anything. Oh yeah. Every time you go out in the racetrack, even every, every moment you're on the racetrack, whether it's a cool down lap, whatever, it's, you can learn something if you just keep an open mind. And so it's definitely been a big learning year for me. Again, makes me, makes me feel like <laughs> it's not over yet. Yeah. You know, I, I still can keep, I can keep progressing and getting better and faster. So, um, how did you start? Oh boy! And I know uh, this, is, you, this you, is this is there's a lot behind it. Yeah, I want, I want to hear so, it. So you ready? Yes. Okay. Let's so go. I grew up wanting to be a jockey. Okay. All right, because I loved horses. I wanted to be a jockey. Okay. I'm five eight. I'm the shortest person in my family. My little brother is just shy of six foot eight. So by the time I was ten, my parents were telling me, "Well, you better put a brick on your head if you want to be a jockey." Because <laughs> by then I was taller than most jockeys. So I loved, I loved horses. I <clears throat> really, I wanted to race horses. That was just a dream. Um, but I also would, I also liked driving. You know, my big wheel. <laughs> and then when we'd go out to the deer lease, my dad would let me. He'd let me get the driver's seat and you know drive down the dirt roads. And so I already had a love of driving. I mean, I got my driver's license the day after my 16th birthday, and I would get in trouble in school. For skipping out once I got my, once I got a car, I would skip out of the afternoon classes at high school just to go drive. <laughs> and we lived in San Antonio at the time, North San Antonio. And at that point in time, there was not a lot of development north of like 1604, so there were some great windy roads. So I would skip out just to go drive those roads by myself, and just go back and forth, back and forth, seeing you know, seeing how fast I could I could do. <laughs> So, <laughs> about that time, like right after high school, um, they had the San Antonio Grand Prix where they ran the MSA GTP cars uh, through San, uh, streets of San Antonio, and I was able to um, 
get a pass to go to the one of the races, me and a friend of mine took the bus down, uh, down to downtown Santana, and I was like, this is what I want to do. Just watching the GTP cars go by, I'm like, holy cow, this is what I want to do. And uh, happened to, you know, I was so shy, I wouldn't go up and just like introduce myself to drivers or whatever, but I just happened to meet um, a team, you know, some uh, crew members on a team, I'm like, how do you do this? And like, well, they actually took me seriously, like, well, first, what you need to do is find your local SECA region, you know, contact, go to the one of those meetings, talk to people there, and I did that. Like, I went to, I found out where the SECA, I went to like a car shop or something, found out mm-hmm. where the SECA had their meeting when when I'm like, I would like to race, and like, oh, okay, and they got me hooked up. Um, I was 18 at the, was I almost, I was 17 or 18, almost 18 maybe, and I was able to find somebody who rented me an ITC Scirocco for $200 for the entire weekend. Wow. Yep. <coughs> I just had to and yeah, I mean, of course, it had like crappy old street tires on it, uh, but that was my first driving school, and uh, so went through my two driving schools in that, that Scirocco for 200 bucks a weekend plus the whatever the driver school entry was maybe 150 bucks and I was hooked at that point so ended up uh, finding somebody who sold me their street car their Volkswagen rabbit street car I bought an auto power back then you could have bolt and roll cages so bought an auto power roll cage put it in myself because my dad had tools but nobody else in my family was racing so I was doing all this by myself put a roll cage in it bought belts just calling up people and asking them, what do I do now, you know, <laughs> and went racing with that ITB rabbit, and of course it, unbeknownst to me, it had an out-of-round crank, so at every race, it was started battering the rod bearings, so I also learned how to change rod bearings on my own car, <laughs> between, you know, between qualifying and race, I was underneath the car, you know, dropping the oil pan, changing rod bearings on the car, you know, oh, by the way, this was also my street car. Oh gosh! Yeah. So you, you then I would I would drive it. I drive it home from like Texas Roll Speedway. Drive it back home to Dallas. Do the do the rod bearings again once I got home, so I could drive it during the week. And that was just a continuous thing, until um, you know after my first year, I was like, okay, we'll go national racing now, and bought a used um, Stock C MR2. The the owner actually took my Volkswagen my ITB Rabbit with the terrible motor in it <laughs> as a trade and, and a few thousand, which I took out a loan on a couple thousand dollars um, for this SSC car, MR2 as well, which anybody who's ever been in one of the early, the first, second gen type, uh, first gen MR2s, they're diabolical and it's probably not the optimum car for me to learn <laughs> to continue to learn how to race them because they're just, they just snap on you. So again, this was also my street car. Um, so I raced that car for a year in nationals, went to the runoffs, my first year to race at the runoffs. This road Atlanta, second lap around at the top of the S's. I realized I, I was going in a little bit too fast than what I was comfortable for, and what did I do? I lifted at the top of the S's in MR2, and that's the worst possible thing you could do. So I spun all the way down the S's, backed it into the turn five um, inside wall, bad, but somehow we got it together and I think I and I was able to race um, ended up like second to last that year from our first national at the run <coughs> second to last I'm still I'm ready though yeah I'm ready and again I'm doing this all 
on my own. Uh, at this point, I think I'm working three jobs and going to school. Yeah, so I was going to ask year, you. First year of college, so I was working at the vet clinic. I would go to school, you know, for the first half of the day, go to the vet clinic, work there um, until they closed. And then I had two other jobs. One was at Clem Engines, who they, they were in uh, Dallas area, and they built Formula Ford and Volkswagen, uh, or, you know, Formula V engines. So I would go there on some days, and then other days I had my job at the Gap where, you know, you fold shirts and yeah, you learn how to fold and organize. So three different jobs plus school, just so I can go racing. And racing was a lot cheaper back then anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. I look at the entry fees and I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, so that next year of national racing, I went ahead and I bought a, a Nissan NX2000 to run SSB. And again, took out had my my financing with Nissan and it was my street car too. Put the, got a roll cage, put it in, and um, did not bad. I mean a lot better than I had the previous year. And went to the runoffs, and I had um, one of my mentors at the time was Scott Grissom. They'd already won a national championship in SSA, and <coughs> some point during the week, he's like, "Let's go for a track walk." We went and did a whole track walk around Road Atlanta, and that was like the pivotal point just him taking me around and saying and just talking to me about vehicle dynamics and talking to me about reading the track surface itself and, and where to put the car you know just his secrets you know that made him such a good driver and it was you know maybe two hour walk but I learned so much just from him taking the time and saying pointing out look at the uh, look look at the camera change here where do you want to put the car don't move over just you know just little things like that and I went out and qualified sixth. So I went from like maybe mid-pack qualifying sixth. And I ended up finishing sixth that, that race weekend awesome. at the runoff. At so the runoff. that was my second. Yeah. Yeah. My second time there. And it was a, it was a phenomenal race too. Um, but that bothered some people. So the, the person who won that year was Mark Youngquist in NX2000. And there was a driver from the Southwest region who went and bought Mark's car after the runoffs. And this driver had been wanting to, trying to win the runoffs in Shermstock and thought that now that he's got the championship winning car, that he would, and this, he was actually a friend of mine too, so uh, was, and that next season, I would get the pole every race, I'd win, and all of a sudden, he's throwing a protest at me. Remember, this is my street car. I'm driving this car <coughs> to the races. I'm driving the car to the races. I got tires sitting next to me. Sometimes sleeping in my car because I were you afford. still living in San Antonio? No, I was in Dallas at that point. My okay, parents, so you're yeah, driving I, from Dallas to Atlanta for these runoffs. I didn't. So for the runoffs, though, actually, I got a tow dolly and I borrowed my dad's Bronco too and okay. towed the car. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which was terrible, <clears throat> a terrible thing to, to tow it. But but during the year, yes, I was always just driving to the races. So I protested for a full, and this is how I know Chris and Paula because Paula was a chief steward. She was the one that came over right before the race started said uh, okay you've got you've been protested by two people actually who put in they they split their fee about protest fee they protested my car for everything and this was a friend of mine who had been hanging out with me the night before mm -hmm. somebody I had looked up to everything complete tear down we're in Abilene I think at this race and so I had the choice of either packing up just leaving or racing I'm like I'm going to race you know of course I'm gonna race so I was kind of like shell-shocked, like, why is this happening to me? I remember pulling up to the grid, and there they all were, just like lined up, 
all smirky with the tech and with the chief tech guy for the region too just like mm -hmm, we got you now you know <laughs> like so after the race i had to hitch basically hitch a ride back home because they they took my car yeah and they kept it so i didn't see my car again for like another six weeks gosh and so this is where it gets really shitty <laughs> excuse me oh no you're fine okay <laughs> we, we, we can say shit that's fine yes so they did a full tear on my car didn't find anything the Nissan dealership did and you know bottom end uh, top end and then they sent the head somewhere with without me knowing the head and I haven't seen that head again by the way they sent the cylinder head somewhere and to another another engine builder of their choice this was all out of my hands and without me being present and then they said okay so all the valve seat angles were correct everything was good but they didn't like the way that the valve seat sat in the, in the head and so they tossed me and fined me like 500 so took away all my points tossed me uh, took away my license and I, and all all this inspection was done without me being present so i called the sec home office and like no 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 this is not you need to appeal this so i did appeal it and um won the majority of my appeal so they they kept my points they, they didn't give me my points back but they did give me my license back they took away my suspension and everything so at this point like well i still got to qualify the runoff so at that i think i think i finally got my car back at that point but never that cylinder head and knowing that nissan sent me another cylinder head because they knew what was going on They're like this is i don't know what happened here probably one of those guys who protested me has it i don't know yeah so <clears throat> maybe because i don't think they found anything wrong with it they just had to come up with something to get rid of me a lot of politics back then and, mm -hmm. and it, like it was it was definitely a boys club um so at that point now i'm like i can't race here anymore in this region so i had made friends with um al tom peter cunningham who had auto technica business up in, up in milwaukee they're like come up here so put my car uh actually had a friend of theirs come pick up pick me up and my car moved to wisconsin and had to get my car together real quick because i need to still qualify for the runoffs for that year and I have to do it down. My region was already declared for Southwest region, so I had to do it down in Texas again. Throw my car back together. There's a double national race down in Texas, so I drive me and a, another buddy drove my car down from Milwaukee down to Texas World Speedway, and sure enough, my there my nemesis are there, and they're like, "Damn, she's back. That's okay. <laughs> we'll get her now. That we'll get her." So put the car on the pole, led the race, and the number one, my number one hater. Finished second, packed up his car and left. Didn't even do the next day. He was just like done. I kicked his ass. <laughs> yeah, set a track record, and again the next day, same thing. Uh, we ran the track in a different direction, so I'm like vindicated. And then that year at the runoffs, um, was running towards the end of the race, ran fourth, second and last lap, going to turn seven, get punted from behind, off, sent off track. Ended up gathering it back up. Um, I would have finished third. So that year, I would have ended up finishing third because uh, I think the guy who finished second ended up getting booted in an impound. Um, I didn't protest the person who hit me, but the corner workers did. Oh. And me being so nice, you know, when they have all the, the when the stewards are talking to you and asking, well, what happened? I'm like, oh, it's just a racing incident, which it was, and I was hit. But I was so naive and yeah. just like, oh, I wanted to, I 
wanted to be friends with everybody, yeah. with the people I was racing against, and I didn't stick up for myself. Like, oh, it's just racing. It wasn't. That was bullshit. I got totally, you know, hit off in turn seven, yeah. used as the break. And I'm like, well, that, if I would have stood up for myself and said, that was terrible, that what, you know, he didn't have to <laughs> use me as a break. He, so that would have been a podium there um, at the runoffs. And then, of course, it just, you know, this is so. This is how I got into racing. Yeah, no, this is great. <laughs> but um, that year, though, at the runoffs, um, there was actually somebody back then at the runoffs. You could make something from it if you did really well. Like you could get a factory ride in a car. Um, th they would, the manufacturers would actually watch you, and you could actually get a ride, a pro ride, if you're really good. Um, after the runoffs that year. Uh, Al Tom, who I was working for at Auto Technica, gets a call from um, somebody from the Archer Brothers who were running Trans Am and, um, you know, had run World Challenge. Like, hey, you think your girl would like to come run with us? Because we're going to run a two-car neon team for World Challenge. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm sure she would. Like, well, tell, tell her to get, get in contact with us. So they had um, asked me and Anthony Lazaro, who I guess had won Formula Ford or Continental or whatever, or Atlanta, it was Ford that year. Um to come drive in World Challenge in this factory, this Dodge-backed neon team. So I made the trip up to Archer Brothers Racing to get, they're like, you gotta get up here. Get, you gotta, gotta, gotta get your you know, seat fitting and everything. Because this was happening all really quick. So I went up there, saw the cars, you know, just totally had just come back from being acid dipped. I'm like, this is actually happening. I, I've, got a, I've got a World Challenge. I've got a factory <laughs> ride. And we get close to the start of the season, and Dodge pulled the, the money. Oh, gosh. They left the money for the Trans Am team, but they pulled <clears> the funding like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's okay. What's meant to be will, will, will be. So that was, like, my first, like, um, Next year at the runoffs, running MR2 at Mid-Ohio. It was a witch hunt. I finished, I finished third on track. Um, third on track, and then they threw all of us out to the point to the car that did not get, they didn't have time to get uh, torn down, was the one who ended up winning that, which was another, they were comparing all of our still, actually I ended up, so the race was on Saturday. By Saturday night, I was moved up to first because the first place car was, was, <laughs> was so cheated up. It had extrude home manifold, everything. Just like from the first 20 minutes, he was kicked out. Second place car, um, they determined that the ECU was kind of funky. They weren't sure. So they moved me up to first. But by Sunday night, they still hadn't told us anything. They, they were keeping us. And everybody who was running MR2, they were comparing our cylinder heads to one that, at the time, we thought they had the correct cylinder head. But they again, they didn't like something about the casting in the head itself. So they threw us all out. The only, the, so the, the person who won the runoffs that year didn't have his car ever looked at. We find out after the fact, you know, Brian Lee was telling me, he's like, yeah, I know the guy who was tech, in tech that year, and he said, yeah, she really shouldn't have been kicked out. She really shouldn't have been tossed because we couldn't get the same, you know, model year cylinder head exactly to compare them with, but we had to clean house, basically, and so it was just another, again, that was back when SCCA, like, tech stuff was just a lot more over involved and yeah. just, just trying to find things wrong and would find things wrong if they were directed to find things wrong with cars. So I decided like screw this. Screw this screw SECA. I'm going I'm gonna go in so so ended up taking my Shroom stock car, 
building it to IMSA Endurance Series spec, which, you know, we ran it, that MR2, we ran it in like Sebring and Road Atlanta. Um, about that time, I would get another call from somebody who had bought a team of Honda Preludes from TC Klein. He's like, come race for me. Come, you're gonna have to move to Philadelphia. You're gonna have to work in the shop. There I am working for my ride again. So I moved to Philadelphia. So I'm gonna race IMSA for this guy um, this next year and just working for my ride again. And I'm getting paid like 50 bucks a week maybe to work in the shop. I'm living, he finds me living in accommodations there in Philadelphia, the race shops in New Jersey. So every morning, and I don't have a car, obviously. I mean, I have nothing. So every morning, crack of dawn, I'm walking like a mile to the L train there in Philadelphia, taking the L train to New Jersey, to Camden, which is not a nice place, I guess. Taking it to Camden, getting off at the stop there, walking to the race shop. In the winter, it's snowy. And yeah. then, you know, at night, doing the same thing. Yeah. Eight o'clock at night. So I do that, and I start to get a bad feeling about this team owner. So, you know, TC's calling him, apparently he had bounced a check for all of those, for those three cars to TC. TC's getting mad um, that he hasn't been paid for those cars. And other little weird things were going on. It turns out the guy was a fraud. I mean, he was embezzling people across the country for exotic cars. It was just a mess. But we get to our first race, which was at Sebring. And um, I, Randy Pope's was my co-driver. So he had me and Randy in one car, and then he had rental drivers in the other car. So. Um, Randy, I believe, put the car on the pole. I started the race, and not too long, I'm leading, and I'm up there pretty good, but I'm also running with cars that I shouldn't be, like the GS cars, the, the faster group cars, and <coughs> probably should not have been in the middle. This was just experience of their battle yeah. <laughs> at the time. And one of them turns me around, puts me under the wall there at Sebring, and I'm like, shoot, there goes that. You know, I'm, I'm so upset at myself, and because I, I should not have, Yes, I was running what I could run, but I shouldn't have been in with the bigger cars, messing with their business. Um, so I make the walk back through the Sebring infield, back to our pits and our paddock area, and then I see the team owner coming at me. And again, at this point, I've already been talking to TC about it and at Sebring, and he's like, this guy's yeah, no good. Um, I see the team owner coming at me, and he's just enraged, and he's like, rah! And for me, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and so he comes at me like, you, oh, oh, you, you, and I punch him. <laughs> so, yes, I've punched a team owner before. So, uh, I punch him and I jump on him because you don't mess with a girl. And you know, <laughs> you don't. And Randy and Linda Popes are pulling me off and like, Leonardo, oh, no. I was gonna kill this guy. And he's like, Where's my glasses? And, and um, anyways, I so this is the first time I, I had to find my own way back home after a race because I got mad at the team owner. Um, so that was obviously done with, which was good timing because he gets put in prison. He gets, the feds come and, and like get him at the race shop like that next week wow. once they got back. He was apparently trying to crawl through like the bathroom window to get away <laughs> Jeez. when they showed up. Gosh. I'm gone at that point. So I, I you know, I call my parents like, mom and dad, can y'all see, can y'all use your American frequent fire points and you know, send me home? bring me home so I'd flown back home and I hear about all this now so there I am back home I get a call from another guy who bought those cars from those same cars from TC yeah now he has me like Leon come race for me I'm like okay <laughs> here I go again so now I go off to Buffalo and same situation where I'm like 
I have my car. I mean, they're giving me just enough money to to eat off of, but I get to race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, walking to work every day from where I'm at. <laughs> and we go to... Oh, and in the meantime, he also buys a, a, an Accord from Honda of America Racing that they had built that previous year. Great car. So we go to Watkins, and I'm in the Accord running in the compact class, and um, doing really good. And it was those races were, you know, you have to have a co-driver. This race in particular was one where you'd only need one. We could get by with just one pit stop. Yeah. And I had the car in the lead, and I was sharing it with a rental driver. Somebody was, you know, bringing funding to own their own and the team owner again somebody I, I guess at that point you could add a second or a third driver even at the last moment somebody comes up and pays them to get in the car also so now I've got two co-drivers in this car which means an additional pit stop and which pissed me off because like we could have won yeah. we ended up finishing third because we had the additional pit stop like damn it we could have won yeah which for me, this is my ego, kept getting in the way. I'm, I'm young, you know, I'm, I think at that point I was, you know, I was early 20s and I wanted to win. I'm like, okay, well, so we go to the next race, which was Daytona, I believe at that point. Uh, we were going, went down to Daytona. I um, was in the Honda, this, or, I mean, sorry, the Prelude at this time, and I had the car on the pole. And during qualifying, the clutch went in the car. Team motor starts blaming me for it because they had just put the, a clutch in. Turns out that they had put in like the the throwout bearing backwards or they, they, something. It wasn't my fault. But already the team motors was blaming me for crap, which wasn't my fault. You know, even the Honda um, Honda folks were like, "Why are you Why are you giving her hell? She's our fastest Honda driver mm-hmm. right now." <laughs> so again, I have one co-driver who's paying at the time. Another driver walks up, so this is happening. We're gonna, now going to have two pit stops, where we could have it. We can actually win the race. Yeah. You know, but now we have two pit stops, which which ruins our chances of winning the race. I I grab my stuff and I leave, because which was dumb. It was very irrational of me to do. I should have just stayed there, and got the seat time. But me being just way too proud and thinking that I should be able to, you know, I should I should be winning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just, it was not smart, but I left. And again, that, that, which again, I don't know, I guess the angel was watching out for me because that team went defunct right away once I left too. Yeah. So it was like, at that point though, my life had been consumed with racing, like all through like college, you know, working three jobs just to be able to pay entry fees. And I should add though, that I was also able to manage all that because Goodyear, at the time had like stepped up and through the Stromstock stuff provided me with tires as one of the few people that they did you know help like that and that was really the only way like you know I always had always had a, a, a good car with good tires underneath it because there's no way I could have afforded mm-hmm. tires and entropy <laughs> and I mean seriously I was like sleeping in my car sometimes at the racetrack because I didn't have the extra 25 bucks for Motel 6 or something I don't know yeah. <laughs> Or whatever it was, 1999. Um, so at that point, I was just so burnt out with just... But I didn't, you know, just always racing. Like, around the clock, 24-7 for all those years. Um, through, like, my college. I never went out and partied during the college years because because racing. You know, I had to be like... Phew, I had to be like 10 tenths all the time. 
Um, and it just wore me out and I started to like, I don't need to go to a race. Maybe I don't need to go to the race, you know? And, um, so I fell into this, this, this period of time where I was done with it all. Mm -hmm. And, but there I go, ended up, started working for Skip Barber Racing School as an instructor. So I started to get my, um, I was, I'd still get my need to get on the track via that. And of course, then that just ended up the rest of my professional career until I started working for Korea, got Korea, for Kia, um, doing instructing stuff and coaching. But it wasn't until Chris Taylor, I happened to go to um, Coda a few years ago for a race. And I'd, I'd been like Facebook friends with Chris and the BSPEC people. And he's like, hey, come, you know, come say hi, come see our cars. So I stopped over, I said hi. and. <laughs> come, come, you know, you should come drive one of our cars. I'm like, oh yeah, maybe someday. You know, I wasn't, again, I've been out of a car for a long time at this point. Um, and he's like, he, he, he hit me up a couple weeks later and said, hey, one of my drivers for the WRL race at Road Atlanta um, in two weeks is, has had to drop out. You want to come drive? Just get yourself there. I'm like, really? Okay. So I got myself there and uh, that was my first drive with Chris Taylor, but also my first real race in 20 years, maybe. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so <laughs> I went from like, it was like 20 years since I'd actually been in a real race. Now, the previous summer, I had done like a, uh, it was a charity race at High Plains. Um, every year in Randy Pope's, and there's, they have, you know, celeb drivers are, there, to, it's just sort of a, a pseudo fun race that they mm -hmm. do yep. with cars that are provided from a local BMW dealership. And Randy couldn't do it that year, so he called me up and like, "Hey, you want to take my place in this race?" And you know, it's like, okay, so, <laughs> so, but it wasn't like a real real race, yeah, you know, yeah. But yeah, so that that race at Road Atlanta was my first one back, and then it's like, okay, well, you want to, you know, maybe get in a car sometimes if you want to come and. and you know, do the data stuff like I could figure that out yeah you know I could I could I could figure all the data acquisition stuff and data coaching out no problem mm -hmm. and so then and then you came on board I think that next year and yeah it was uh um, and here I am again just totally 100% I got a full full throttle with racing it's like I remember my dad saying back when I first started racing he's like Leanne all you care about is racing, just like it was with horses. You don't care about anything or any anyone else. It's just you and your racing, which kind of like, I'm like, well, yeah. You know? <laughs> but at the same time, I think about it now that I'm older. I'm like, that kind of hurts that they, I finally didn't think I cared about them, which I didn't. But it's always like you, racing when you don't have, when you don't have the funding behind yeah. you to to be able to do it right. You have to you have to scramble and dig for just anything and. I never had any guidance, really. I mean, I had my buddies, my mentors, like, you know, Peter Cunningham has just always been, he's been a great friend to me, and he was who I wanted, I wanted, I would study Peter's in-car videos when I first started racing, just, like, I wish I had hands like him, you know, trying to just mimic his driving style. So I had, I had that type of support, but I never had anybody who was, like, a family member that was, yeah. like, guiding me. Nobody <laughs> in my family raced. Yeah. And so... I was making a lot of bad decisions because I didn't have that 
personal guidance to make the right yeah. decisions about yeah. my career, about, you know, tell me, you know what, you need to have a better attitude at the racetrack and not just, you know, pick up your things and leave when things yeah. aren't working out your yeah, way, yeah. because that's what I would do. Like, things aren't going the way I want them to do, so I'm leaving. And I, I wish I had had somebody to temper me yeah. and say, okay, just simmer down and think about this. This may not, this is not the end of the world. This is just one race. Yeah. Ride it out and we just keep building it. But I just, I, it's one thing I, I, I think that really held me back was my, well, myself, for one thing, you know, just thinking that I should be winning, I should be in the car, the winning car. And I'm still like that sometimes. Well, I mean, Chris will tell you. <laughs> people, 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 who, people who race want to win. Right. So, um, how did you first meet Peter? I mean, it, you just kind of mentioned that you were like... So, yeah, at the runoffs. So, actually, before, when I, when I was running the IT car, when I first started racing, I made the trip, made a road trip to the runoffs. I wasn't racing yet because I didn't have a national license yet. But I heard all about the runoffs. So, I made the trip to Road Atlanta, and I met Peter and Boris said, and that gang of guys. Because they're like, hey, there's, you know, I don't know how I met him. But, anyways, they took me under the wing, and I was underage at the time so they would take me out at night and, and Boris would this is funny holiday and for the, anybody who's been to uh, Road Atlanta at the runoffs back when it was at Road Atlanta there was the Holiday Inn in Gainesville and it was like the only nightclub was there at the <laughs> Holiday Inn the, the Holiday Inn nightclub yep. and that's where everybody went at night and so Boris would actually sneak me in through the kitchen <laughs> because God, I was underage I, so he would meet me around the back door and Boris is so charismatic that he pulled it off. Like, we'd meet, see all the kitchen workers, and he, he'd bring me in, and he's like, hey, everybody, I want you to meet Leanne. This is Leanne. And he's introducing me, he's like, to the cook, and they're just like, okay. Like, they're supposed to I know get, me. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, like I guess it's owned, okay. Like, they're like, this is, like, he owns the place. And so he's just introducing me to these people <laughs> and taking me into the kitchen, into the nightclub. So that's how I met those guys. And then, <laughs> of course, when I moved to Milwaukee from... Texas, whenever I was like, I can't run down here, they're just going to give me hell. Um, I ended up, uh, until I found my own place, I was sleeping on Peter Cunningham's, Peter Cunningham's couch for three months. I think he got sick of that, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> until I could find my own place and have my own money, you know, there I am on Peter's couch every night. He, I think he really got um, ticked off because I would take really long showers. <laughs> I would take really long hot showers. I remember him making a comment about about like his electric or water bill at one point because of course you've got a 20 21 year old girl she's going to be taking long hot showers a lot longer than boys do so yeah, it was funny good times well, what's what's been the what's been the, the the most fun vehicle that you've raced oh my gosh this three is a lot of fun uh, and surprisingly, it's not the fastest cars I've ever raced. That that Honda Accord that I raced in IMSA was a blast to drive. This three is obviously it's a challenge because we're so under horsepower, but it's fun. It really it's fun. It's just it's fun maybe because it is difficult and uh, I don't know. Probably that that Accord was just that yeah. Honda of America. <clears throat> I mean, Bill Wright had all the Pinsky adjustables. I mean, just everything ride on it and again not the fastest car i've ever mm -hmm. raced or driven you know it's just it's a honda a honda accord it's you know <laughs> but it was just a lot of fun to drive when you have a car that just 
does what you tell it to do. And and again, like that MR2 that I'd run. So, oh, it's hard to pick which yeah, one. Yeah, well, that's okay. We don't have to pick. What about the, Good, thank you, what about the best track? You have it more? Road Atlanta before they took out the dip. Okay. Before they took out, it was. Where was amazing. the dip? I don't know where that's. On the back. So now they have like, was it a little, little left, right bull crap? Okay. Before the before the bridge, before you'd have the dip, you were just flying down into the dip, and you'd come up, up to the bridge. You have that elevation change. You come up up to the bridge, and then it drops out underneath you as you go down to was it turn twelve? You know. Yeah, down. the last one. So like at the runoffs, we would in Sherman we'd be coming up. You know, we'd be all like drafting off each other, going down the back straight, moving around. Or we'd come up or wide up over the hill. You know, underneath the bridge, wow. it was just like it was so much fun. So. Road Atlanta, um, before they changed it, and then I love Watkins. I love Watkins Glen. It's probably number two. Okay. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Watkins Glen. Yeah. I gotta go. I do have a plan to go see that this year. So oh yeah, be it's a beautiful cool. area too. So. Yeah, that's 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 the other thing. But I just feel so sad for everybody who who all, all these folks have not who never had the chance to drive Road Atlanta before they changed it because. And they changed it just for safety. I was going to ask. It's probably safety reasons. Like the air cars and everything just were so fast that they would start to take off. (laughs) You'd come up, you'd come up, and they would actually, they were worried about them launching. In fact, I think maybe that's what happened once uh, when the cars launched into the bridge. Oh, into the bridge? Mm -hmm. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, it was like that's what their big worry was because cars were getting so fast that they would actually catch air. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's fun in show them stock cards, though, because <clears throat> you're just flying up Man. there. Well, so you, your story is uh, there's going to be a lot of people that um, that second guess how hard they're really trying to get into motorsports after hearing your story, moving around to different places, walking back and forth to work, holding all the different jobs. That's what I had to do. Yep. And I mean, for, it's for, what I had to is what I had to do to race, and I wasn't. I mean, if if it's if I could do it, then I was going to do it. Yeah. I mean, if to race, if <clears throat> I want to say like put a, they they walled me up behind you know a bunch of bricks and wouldn't let me out. That that was the only thing that would keep me from doing it. So if I if I had to walk ten miles to the race shop, as long as I knew I was going to get to you know, <laughs> race a car at some point you know that year. Yep. Then I was going to do it. So. I mean, it, it it does. I do think about that sometimes. Like, well, there's all these people will say, "I wish I could go race. I wish I, I wish I could do that." You're so lucky. Yeah. Then do it. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. if you want to do it, then what is stopping you? So what? You may you may. I mean, I lived off of like toast. There were times where I would have toast for dinner. Yeah. Because that's all I had. Or I mean, I back when Taco Bell had like their 39 cent tacos, <laughs> that would be my lunch. Yeah. Because I had, that's, I didn't yeah. have much more than 39 cents. So that would be my lunch. But that was, sure I could go back home and actually have meals and yeah. a, you know, a safe bed at night and heat or air conditioning or, you know, but I wouldn't be racing. Yeah. So it was like, unless it got to the point where it was gonna kill me, I was going to do whatever it took to go racing. Normally, right here, I would actually have a few more questions, but it's 10, I'm so, oh, 10.38. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, I love the, but I'm worried I about. I told you this might take a while to tell no, my story. I, I wish we had really more time, long. but the race is at 10.50, right? I don't know. 
Is it? Yeah. So it's, it's about 12 minutes away, and I know that you, you're always on the radio. So yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, thanks for reminding me about that. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll do a part two sometime. We'll do a part two sometime. Maybe once I Thank get the car so ready much. again. You I'm looking curious. forward to racing with you, having your support, and learning Well, it's been more. great, actually. It's helped me a lot, too, instructing and coaching yeah. everybody, because it's definitely got me going. Good. And Good. Here I am. I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like, but I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com, and you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag. Bye.